Welcome to Masterpiece Women. This is Tina Raines, and I'm the founder of Masterpiece Women, and I am so excited to have you here today. We are a community of authentic women from all over the world, growing together personally, professionally, building businesses and ministries together. Grab a cup of coffee or your favorite tea and sit back and grow with us. Thanks for being here, ladies. beautiful masterpiece women welcome back to our study on exodus so this week our study is on exodus 15 and 16 and wow there's just so much good stuff in this chapter i love how god gives us so many great lessons in this chapter and how we can apply them to our everyday life and that's really what god's word is all about right is teaching us and guiding us through um, the past and as we enter into chapter 15 what are they what are they doing they're praising God and the one thing that I love about it as well is that uh, Miriam also in this in this chapter formed a special choir of Jewish women who participated didn't she we see it in first Samuel 18 6 and second Samuel 1 20 again first Samuel 18 6 and second Samuel 2 excuse me 1 20 She's called the prophetess, and I believe that that's what gave her a, she had the courage. I love how she had the courage to stand up to Moses and to even criticize him. And if you look back, if you look at Numbers um, 12, 1 to 2, you see where she does that. And she has, she's bold, she's courageous, and I believe that's, Miriam's a great example of who God calls us to be, bold and courageous. And I love all the different women in our Bible. I love studying the women of the Bible and the courageousness they have and the things that they do. And uh, I also think this these two chapters are good to remind ourselves when going back to the John Maxwell Laws of Leadership, the law of victory. We need to remember to celebrate the victories because we don't celebrate the victories then it's difficult to keep going. So every small milestone you make, ladies, I'm going to encourage you, celebrate the victories. Don't focus on the things that you still have to get done. Focus on celebrating the victories so that you are keep excited, you keep motivated. And sometimes you have to take those goals and little tiny, tiny pieces in order to accomplish them one day at a time, one moment at a time, what have you. It's key that we celebrate as we are victorious, especially if you're struggling with something, you have an addiction, you have um, an obstacle that you're trying to overcome. Sometimes breaking that huge, huge obstacle up and breaking that difficulty or that stronghold up into little microscopic moment by moment or day by day pieces, it's easier to go, okay, today, I am not going to have the sugar. I am not going to have the things that I know are bad for my body. Today, this hour, I'm choosing not to. And when we start thinking about what we might want that would not be good for us, whatever that might be, once again, no, I have the victory over it. I can, I can um, wait and I can avoid doing those things that I know are bad for me. I think that's really important is that we continue to focus on the victories that we have and focus on the things we've accomplished. 
and don't beat ourselves up so much for the things we're not. Keep on going, keep on moving, don't be stagnant, but don't beat yourself up and focus on the victory. So let's read a little bit in 15. Let's start at chapter verse one in um, Exodus 15. Then Moses and the Israelites sang the song to the Lord. I will sing to the Lord for the highly exalted, both horse and driver, he has hurled into the sea. The Lord is my strength and my defense. I love that verse. The Lord is my strength and my defense. He has become my salvation. He is my God, and I will praise him. My Father's God, I will exalt him. The Lord is a warrior. I love that. The Lord is a warrior. He goes into battle for us. I love that about our Savior. He is our warrior. He is our Savior. He's the Lord. The Lord is his name. Pharaoh's chariots and his army. He has hurled into the sea. The best of Pharaoh's officers are drowned in the Red Sea. The deep waters have owned them. They sank to the depths like a stone. Your right hand, Lord, was majestic in power. Your right hand, Lord, shattered the enemy. I just love that. I love how they're just singing praise to him. And he is so victorious. And he is our warrior for us. And they're recognizing all that he's done for them. Up until this point, really, what have they done? They've complained and complained. And, you know, they've had a tough time, though. And in all fairness, they've experienced a lot of difficulties. But yet they weren't in a place of maturity to really trust in God yet, were they? They were focused more on what they needed, what, they're, what they were doing without, what, you know, and they were not so focused on the praise. I want to look at this song and kind of look through the main step, the main portions, main stanzas of this. First, it was talking about in verses one to five, what? God's victory is announced. God is victorious. He's, he's saved his people. The next thing that um, we see is that God's weapons were described. They talk about how he overcame the enemy. And then in the third area, in um, verses 11 to 16, God's character is extolled. His unfailing might and love for us are extolled. Then in verses 16b to 18, we see God's promises are fulfilled. He promised them that he would take care of them. He promised his people that he would have victory, and he did. And so I know that, it, you know, Oftentimes for us is not an easy life, just like for the Israelites who started complaining and being, you know, really immature in their faith. They didn't trust him yet. They kept grumbling and they even grumbled a ton about just maybe going back to slavery. Could you imagine being in a place where I'd rather go back to slavery? Now, granted, they didn't have water for almost three days, right? So three days without water is a lot to deal with. Anybody might be saying that at that point. However, they knew that God had provided. They they seen this might they'd seen the waters parted. They walked on dry sea. Like this was just days before. And they still didn't trust his sovereignty or his power just shortly after they're praising him. So I, you know, I thought of that when I was reading. I was thinking, you know, isn't that so much like us, how we are? It doesn't take very much before we're complaining and doubting God and saying, Lord, really, is this you? You called me here. Why is this happening? How are you letting this happen? Really, God? I remember at times when I was having difficulties, and I remember reading Job in that same season, 
and watching how Job was suffering. And I'd say to God, God, you have me highly confused for somebody else because I can't handle one more thing. And he would say, I'm with you. And I'm like, but Lord, it doesn't feel like it. I feel like I'm drowning in all the circumstances of my life right now. I can imagine the, um, the, the Jewish people feeling the same way. Like they're just drowning in, um, you know, the walk and the lack of food and water and just overwhelmed, overwhelmed by circumstances. And Many of you right now hearing this may be overwhelmed with things in your life, circumstances in your life. I'm just going to encourage you right now um, that you really just surrender it to him because he has it. And I know it may not feel like it sometimes, and I know it may seem like you're just um, drowning, but I promise you, sister, he's got you. He will get you through it. He will make a way. He will part the seas for you, just like he did for the Israelites. And just keep the faith, sweetie. Keep the faith. Keep trusting him. I remember, you know, talking to somebody right after my divorce, right after it was the most difficult season in my business life in 2008. You all remember that recession? I had one of those houses that was worth a lot of money one day. The next day was worth half. And I was going through a divorce in the midst of it. I was shattered emotionally, spiritually, financially, every which way I felt like my life was falling apart. And I was a single parent trying to keep it together, trying to keep, I was an entrepreneur trying to keep a business together, all in the midst of this. And yet that's the season that God started calling me into ministry. I'm like, what Lord, how do I even possibly go into ministry? I can't even keep my family together. I can't keep my business together. I can't, I can't seem to keep anything together. And that's when he said, you know, just trust me, trust me. You don't have to keep it together. I will do it for you. I will rescue you. And it's so beautiful because I know that he used the same, the same um, book in the Bible in that season. And that was, gosh, in 2007. So that tells you how long ago, 2000, yeah, 2007 and 2008 and he had me come to this book and here I am coming to this book again and studying it and feeling like I'm supposed to share it with you. And it's because he did such a powerful work in me with these key um, life lessons that we can draw from this. So let's look a little bit about some of the life lessons that you learn in the chapter that we're in, in 15. First, first life lesson, I'm going to say trials are going to come. We have to expect them. We have to anticipate them. In business, we know they're going to come. We know you're going to have difficult times in business. You have to anticipate the worst, plan for the worst, but pray for the best because you're going to have difficult times. And if you plan for it, then you're prepared. You're prepared mentally. You're prepared spiritually. You're prepared in every way. So I'm going to encourage you. If you look in these scriptures in 15, 22 to 16, 3, they left praising God and now they're, um, they're upset. They're asking, you know, what are we going to eat? What are we going to drink? They're getting frustrated. They're talking about, they're talking about going back to Egypt of all places after everything they've been through. 
And I think it's a reminder to us, yes, difficult times are going to come, but we have to keep our perspective. We have to keep our trust in him because there's going to be times that God's going to test us. God tests us. But when he does, he's just wanting to mature us. He's wanting us to grow. He's wanting us to grow mature. But when the enemy comes and tempts us, that's very different. When the enemy comes to tempt you, what's he trying to do? He's trying to draw us away from God. And he's trying to encourage spiritual immaturity. And oftentimes it's in those tests that God grows us the most, that God nurtures us the most, that he provides for us the most. But we're oftentimes in the most difficult times too busy focusing on the problem, focusing and giving really the enemy the glory because we're like, look what happened to me. Look what happened to me. Look, we become victims and we stay in that victim mentality. And I'm going to encourage you, sister, don't go there. If you're feeling like a victim, start praising the Lord for what he's done. Start focusing on what God has done because he really wants us to trust him and uh, I want us to read outside of Exodus. It's in Matthew 6, 21, because it's so imperative. For where your treasure is, there your heart will also, will be also. He wants our hearts focused on him. He wants us focused on him and not the circumstances. And oftentimes the circumstances are the things that we're treasuring, whether it's our family, our lives, I mean, our families, our health, our businesses, those are the things we treasure most above God. And what he's saying is he wants our heart to be focused on him and that the most precious thing to us is our relationship with him. Our most treasured value possession is our relationship with him because he will provide, he will protect us, he will be our warrior and he wants us to worship him and he wants us to trust him. And he wants us to surrender to him. And he wants to meet every need according to his riches and glory. In Matthew 6, 25 to 33, I want to read it to you. It says, do not worry. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink or about your body. What you will wear is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you, any one of you, by worrying at a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers in the field grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all of his splendor was dressed like one of these. And if that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So do not worry saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after these things and your heavenly father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. I just love those promises because he doesn't say he doesn't want to give us great things, does he? That's not what the word says. But what he doesn't want us to do is to worry about it. 
or to treasure those things more than we treasure our relationship with him. And I believe that is what he was telling us and that the life lessons he was showing those in Exodus 15 and 16 is you have to trust the Lord to supply all your needs according to his riches and glory. In Exodus 16, 4 to 18, we see God's promises will sustain us. We see his faithfulness. He's faithful to provide the manna to the Jewish people. And he's going to be faithful to meet all of our needs according to his riches and glory. He's going to be faithful to supply everything we need to do what we need to do in our callings. He will give you all the tools, all the people to surround you to do what he's called you to do. In John 6, 22 to 29, God's son does what he feeds 5,000 people. And then he preached the bread of life in Capernaum. I think it's so beautiful to see how God took those loaves of bread, right? And turned it into this incredible feast. And he does that for us every day if we'll pay attention. So think about obeying God's instruction. The other life lesson in this in Exodus 16, 16 to 31, I believe that he's showing us is we must obey God's instructions. He gave them very, very explicit. And we saw it back in 14 and 13. I mean, we saw it all over the first, the last chapters in Exodus, very explicit instructions on how to do feasts, on how to celebrate, on how to um, avoid the plagues, all these things, very explicit instructions. And he's calling us to obey his instructions. And in 1 Corinthians 14, 33, says God is not the author of confusion. So when he starts something new, when the Lord is giving you something and he starts it, you're not going to be confused. That's the end. Confusion doesn't come from the Lord. He always gives instructions. It's our job to sit back and to listen to him and be still with him. Now, when he calls you to do something, he's not saying be still and go, don't go do it. But you have to take the time with him. And I would encourage you, even before an email, even before any major decision, any decision with work or business or what have you, even I tell the women when they're um, getting into the Masterpiece Empowerment, into our uh, membership program, I tell them, pray first and ask God what he wants you to do before you start creating ideas for your membership platform. Pray, 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 because God has something for you. God has the idea and then he's going to equip you on how to do it. And he gives you tools and he puts the right people in your place to help support you in that. So pray, pray, pray. That's number one. Get in his word, get in his word, because that's where he's going to give you those explicit instructions. And our job is simply to obey and he's going to bless the work of our hands. So the fourth lesson I believe that we see in this is remembering the lessons God teaches you is so invaluable. In Exodus 16, 16 to 31, think about the lessons that God has taught them in this whole from, you know, Exodus 1 to now Exodus 16. So many lessons. And what did he do when they were in the dark? He brought his light. He shined his light. The light that he gives us are his instructions. They are what he's teaching us. And we have to remember that God's word is our light. It's our compass. It's where to go. It's how to get there. So open up this word and read it and ask him before you do to shine his light and his wisdom 
in the word so that he speaks to you through it. And he will, I promise you, he will speak to you over and over and over. Got to take some quiet time to listen to him though. Get in that quiet place and remember the lessons that he teach you. Journal, journal, journal. I'm going to encourage you, journal what he's teaching you. He gave this book and his law to help us, not to condemn us, not to hurt us, but to help us. Unfortunately, though, so many people get into patterns and they don't obey God's word. They choose to do it their own way. And unfortunately, there are repercussions when we choose not to do things the way God has called us to. That's called sin. And God will deal with sin. And so it's really important for us to remember to always obey what he's called us to always, always, always. And um, he will bless you and he will bless the work of your hands and he will you know, lead you and he will guide you. And so I hope you enjoyed 15 and 16 as much as I did. I wrote so many other gold nuggets, but I didn't want this to be two hours long. So I'm going to encourage you to go back, read it, ask him what he wants you to see in it as well. And just dig in girls. And um, I will see you on the next podcast. And again, if you have a heart to start your own business, you have a heart to build an online business. We're doing a training in our membership platform. We do that. We also have lots of leadership. So there is not any woman that wouldn't gain value out of our membership platform. Our membership platform has lots of great leadership programs. We also meet once a week. So we talk about our goals and your goal may not be doing a business. It may not be being a minister or doing ministry. It may be, how do I run my household with excellence? That's a great goal. And we want to come alongside you as a membership team, as a membership community to support you in that. So I encourage you ladies, if you haven't registered for a membership, do so. We still have the um, discount of 50% for, it's called Founder, F-O-U-N-D-R. We'll give you 50% off of your membership. I encourage you to do it today. It will expire in just a few days. So make sure you get it done and God bless you and have a great day. And I'll see you on the next podcast. Mm -hmm.